The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Good morning, Summit Church. I'm so glad that you chose to join us online today. It's April 5th, meaning it is Palm Sunday. What is Palm Sunday? For those of you that didn't grow up in church, it's the day that we celebrate Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, The last week of Jesus' life was was just jam-packed with stuff. This week, I'm gonna be throwing out some stuff on social media, just kind of walking through each day of the last week of his life. But this is the start of it. Uh, It's Sunday before Jesus will die on Friday, and there's so much beauty in this. There's so much history in the triumphal entry. I I wanna go to Mark chapter 11, and that's where we're gonna walk through today. But that that passage, uh, we've actually done it, we did it several years ago. The application, I kinda wanna take a different direction. I'm gonna swing a little wide and take the application really more towards where we are today. And and so I just wanna give you the title of the message first. It's what happens when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations? And, and I know it sounds kind of down, but I, really, that's a valid question right now, right? There, there are many of you who are struggling in ways you haven't struggled in a very long time, and you're wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> what, what, what's happening? And the triumphal entry is just this beautiful story that shows us that sometimes God throws us curveballs, but he does so for a very, very specific purpose. So, so that's where we're heading today. Let's begin uh, Jesus entering into Jerusalem. It's been a while since he's been there. It's been almost two years, actually, since he's been there. The reason he can't go back to Jerusalem is because he knows that the minute he steps foot into the city, he's going to be arrested and the Jewish leaders are going to try to kill him. Uh, So he has purposefully avoided Jerusalem for a while, but now it's time to come back. And he's coming back for a purpose that he knows. And he's, he's said it multiple times. He's coming back to lay down his life for the sins of many. He said that, but Many of his followers and even his closest disciples, they still are hoping, oh, you're going to come in and take over and it's going to be incredible. And that's the hysteria. That's the hype. That's, that's what's happening in this moment. Everyone's saying Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. Let's celebrate. So that's where we pick up in Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, baby donkey, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Tell them the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and they found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Okay, so for for the rest of today, I really, I want to encourage you to be in the narrative, to be in the story. I want to encourage you to hear it, to feel it, to smell it. I want you to be there, okay? So what's happened thus far? Jesus has stopped two miles to the west of Jerusalem, Bethany and Bethpage. He's going to stay there one night. He's going to then approach Jerusalem, but he knows how he needs to enter. He needs to ride in on a colt. We'll see that here in a moment. But in order to get from Bethpage to Jerusalem, you have, to, you have to cross the Mount of Olives. 
okay? Pretty important sight. Some amazing things are going to happen in the next few days there. First, Jesus will go to the top of it and see Jerusalem. See the city of God, the city of David. He's going to see it and he's going to see how religion has decimated it. And he's going to weep. And you can read about that and how profound it is for the God of the universe to come and to see something that was supposed to be so beautiful and and just got messed up by man. And he weeps for the city of Jerusalem. You're going to see him give his Olivet Discourse, his Olivet Sermon. It's a sermon on the end times, the one time that Jesus talks about what's going to happen in the end. He's going to give that from the Mount of Olives. That's going to happen on top of it. The night before he is betrayed, he's going to go there to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's happening right there. This is a beautiful place. And then, as if that's not enough, after his crucifixion and resurrection, it's from the Mount of Olives that he will ascend into heaven. A very important place, but right now all it is is a dividing point between where he's staying and Jerusalem, which is his final destination. He sends his disciples out. He says, hey, I need a baby donkey, a colt. Uh, I need to ride in on that. It seems so weird. Why, Why would he want that? What's going on? Well, it's to fulfill a prophecy. Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation. He comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Remember, I I want you there. I, I want you in the story. A king comes into a city on a war horse. That's how a king is supposed to arrive, but... Hundreds of years before, Zechariah knew the kind of king that Jesus would be. It's a king that conquers through sacrifice and service, through laying his life down. That kind of a king comes in riding a baby donkey. It's not a war horse. It's not powerful. It's humble. It's peaceful. And what Jesus is doing is he's fulfilling the prophecies written about him. Your king will come on a colt, on a baby donkey. It's an interesting picture. The people, though, the people are going to worship. They're going to go crazy because finally the Messiah they have been waiting centuries for has arrived. Jesus, the one they kind of thought maybe would have been, has come back to Jerusalem and now it is time to celebrate. They are going to worship him like crazy. Mark chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches, palm branches. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. Spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Now, biblical history tells us this isn't the first time that a king entered Jerusalem in this way. Jehu, hundreds of years before, did exactly the same thing. Second Kings chapter 9, verse 13 They hurried and they took their cloaks and they spread them under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpets and shouted, Jehu is king. 
Okay, pull back out. Let's, let's picture this. Ready? Tens of thousands of pilgrims who have come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Okay, that, that, they're already there. There's been this buzz within the community that, hey, I think Jesus may be close. Remember, we've heard him teach. He did some amazing things. I think he's coming. And then as those worshiping in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, they hear, it's happening. It's happening again, just like it did with Jehu. Uh, Jesus, he's, he's, he's just over the Mount of Olives. He started his processional into Jerusalem. He's coming, he's coming. And, and they, they all, just a kind of that mob mentality, they rush out and they line the street into Jerusalem. And they, they know that they need to show humility. They know that they need to show praise. So they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They throw their cloaks down, their covers, literally their jackets on the ground so that they don't stomp on the dirt. Can you, are, are you there? Are you picturing this? The scene is amazing. Palm branches waving. The disciples walking by Jesus on the donkey waving and you're thinking they're in a, in a presidential parade. They're amped up. The people are amped up. Everybody is so expectant of what is going to come. Jesus is here. He's riding in. It's a two mile journey and they line the road for the whole way. Just like anyone who's ever followed a parade, though, the, the people who started are now building and congregating behind as Jesus presides into Jerusalem. It's so beautiful. It's so powerful. The words they shout are actually biblical. It's from Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26. Oh Lord, save us. Oh Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord for the house of the Lord will bless you. They're worshiping their king. And it's awesome. Now, we have no record of how Jesus felt in this moment, but I'm sure he was perplexed. There had to be smiles and, and genuine happiness as people came out and lined the streets as he headed towards Jerusalem. But then there also had to be such sadness as he knew the ultimate destination. He knew what would happen just a few days later. He knew how some of these same people would ultimately turn. He knew all of this because he's God. But in the moment, I've got to think he was elated. And the disciples, oh, they, they were on cloud nine. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with the new king. Let's head to Jerusalem. Let's set up this kingdom. Let's get this thing going because we, we've walked with you for three years, Jesus. And, and it is time now for us to reap the rewards, reap the benefits of you, the Messiah. We, we've been with you. We fought thick and thin with you, Jesus. We've been there. Everyone there showed such humility. The word Hosanna means to save, to rescue. It can be pronounced Savior. So they're saying, hey, Savior, that's come to save and rescue us. Welcome home. We're ready. We're ready to be delivered. We're ready for you and all of it. Why? What are they ready for? For the king that will come and set them free from Roman occupation. It will finally give the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, back to its rightful heirs. The people who God said would be powerful beyond any others. They are so ready. They're pumped. And here it comes. Hosanna. Savior. Rescuer. 
And oh, how much he is just that. But not in the way they were expecting. Because you want to hear the most anticlimactic end to a beautiful story? Verse 11. Mark 11, verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem. Oh, there, here it comes. He went to the temple. Oh, he's, he's going to do it. He's going to take the throne. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. He turned around and walked back two miles to the house that he was staying. He passed tens of thousands of people whose jaws were dropped. Are you kidding me? I threw my coat down on the ground for this. I went and cut down a tree, threw some branches out. I was screaming my lungs out. And he comes in and just looks around and isn't impressed, so he leaves. What just happened? What just happened? This cannot be. But God knew the plan. The people there on that day, they were worshiping out of expectation. Expectation that their Messiah, their Savior, would come, would kick out the pagan Romans, would establish a world-dominating kingdom here on this earth, and that they would get to be the elite citizens in a new empire. But Jesus instead turned around and went back. I think for a lot of us, we worship out of expectation, meaning this. We worship as a means of getting what we want from God. Hey, if I come to church and I, and I praise you, then you're, you're in my debt. You're going to owe me something. I think for some of us, we worship the blessing, not the blesser. I want to be healthy. I want to be successful. I want to make sure that I get what I need. So I'm going to worship the blessing, not the blesser. So I have one question for you, wherever you're at today, however you're watching this. What happens when God doesn't meet your expectation? When you have an agreement with God based on your own actions and he does not come through, he doesn't meet your expectations. What happens when Jesus walks to the temple, looks around and goes back home? What happens when that happens in your life? What happens when God doesn't give you what you expect? I can tell you, not from my own life, but from the biblical story, what happened five days later. I, I can tell you what many of the people who shouted Hosanna on Sunday did on Friday. I, I can tell you that it's in Mark chapter 15. Please read the middle parts. It's so good. But Mark chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. Here's what some of the same people who shouted Hosanna, here's what they said on Friday. Pilate comes out and says, what shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Interesting title. They're king, right? but now it's sarcastic. Pilate asked them, here's how they responded, crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate asked, why? What crime has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. For many of us, when God does not meet our expectations, we turn so quickly 
from Hosanna to crucify him. Can you imagine a five-day period in your life where so many things changed that you went from Hosanna to crucify him? I'll tell you this, for all of us, 12 weeks ago, our life looked a lot different. 12 weeks ago, we heard about a virus in a, on another continent. But now it's here. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you are crippled with fear. 12 weeks ago, Hosanna. Today, what is your decision? Will you worship him still? Not because of what he gives or how good your life is but will you worship him because he's God? What do you do when Jesus fails to meet your expectations? That's what I want us all to wrestle with today. And I am not trying to be a pessimist. If you know me, I am an eternal optimist. So as an eternal optimist, let me tell you this. It's going to get worse before it gets better. That's the reality that I think we are in. I do not see this turning in a week. I don't see this being something that's just gonna go away. I think for many, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So I, I ask you right now, as you sit today, Will you worship God, not because of the blessings you're giving, not because you have the great life, not because everything in the world is perfect, because it's not right now, but will you worship him because he's God? Or, like many, will you allow your unmet expectations, God, what are you doing? You came in, you looked around, you left. I, I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna change the world. It, God, what are you doing? Will you allow your unmet expectations to actually turn you from him? I pray, church, I pray that today, regardless of your circumstance, you will say, I worship you, God, because you are God and because you are worthy of praise and because you have a plan that many times we can't figure out. We can't understand it or know it, but you have a plan. I can see you working this plan. And church, let me tell you with encouragement that I think we come out of this, at least as a church, stronger than ever. Because the faith of those who say, I worship you because you're God, it is a true faith. It's a powerful faith. It's a transforming faith. And I pray today that you will decide to have that faith. Father, help us see you in this season. Help us worship you because you are God, not because of what you give us as God. May you be praised even in the midst of our trial. May you continue to grow us. May you continue to work in and through us. We need you, Jesus, right now more than ever. So I pray that we will call out Hosanna, Hosanna, as we worship you because of who you are, because of what you've done, and because you are worthy of it. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.